No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. In the days before mass media, how do you communicate with over 2 million people? Today we consider God's method for gathering the people, marching them forward, and sending them into battle. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Numbers chapter 10 on Simply the Bible. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. They were to make two trumpets out of silver, hammered into shape. These would be used to summon the congregation together and for when they would move forward toward the promised land or to go to war. I can relate to this because when I was in fifth grade, I started playing a silver trumpet. Verse 3. When they blow both of them, all the congregations shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but not sound the advance. Trumpets have an advantage of being able to be heard at great distances. That is why, historically, they have been used to direct the movements of armies. If both trumpets were blown, perhaps in harmony, then the entire congregation would gather at the tabernacle. But if only one trumpet was blown, then only the tribal leaders would gather. Now, they had an advance signal when it was time to break camp and march forward. But what was it? When I was in high school band, we would play at the football games in the grandstand as well as march on the field at halftime. When our team was near the end zone, we would play. Da-da-da-da-da-da! Was that what they played? Who knows? Now, the first time they sounded the advance signal, the tribes camping on the east side would move out. At the second sounding of the advance signal, the tribes camped on the south side would move forward. Verse 8. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets, and these shall be to you as an ordinance forever throughout your generations. So the priests were the trumpet blowers. But really, that shouldn't surprise us because we see in Revelation that angels also blow trumpets. As a pastor for many years, I have gone up to our youth summer camp. I have enjoyed playing Reveille at 7 o'clock in the morning to rouse sleepy teenagers from a semi-comatose state. Maybe I've enjoyed it a bit too much. Verse 9. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who presses you, you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets and you will be remembered before the Lord your God and you will be saved from your enemies. No doubt the war alarm signal was very distinctive 
like an air raid siren. I'm sure that that would rouse the attention of everybody like nothing else. Recently, I heard on the news that someone in Hawaii accidentally triggered the air raid siren. I happened to have a friend visiting family in Maui at the time, and he said that people were running around on the beach in a panic, not knowing what to do or where to go. That's what happens when you stop having air raid drills. The idea here is that when God heard the war alarm, then he would save them from their enemies. How blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Verse 10. Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. This is the seventh trumpet call that is mentioned. We know that in the book of Revelation, seven angels sound seven trumpets. Now, this last trumpet called the people together for the holy days. These were times of joyful celebration. God is pleased when we rejoice in our religious observances, whether it's Sunday morning church, a small group Bible study, or even a church picnic and baptism. When I was a child, I remember hearing bells ringing on Sunday morning from a local Presbyterian church. I miss those days when going to church on Sunday was nearly a universal American pastime. There is a trumpet calling that is coming, known as the last trumpet. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This will be a day of gladness like none other. I don't know when that trumpet will sound or what it will sound like, but I'm sure I will recognize it when I hear it. Verse 11. Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. The first anniversary of Passover had already been celebrated the previous month, and those who had been ceremonially unclean at the time had just taken the makeup feast. Therefore, their departure from Mount Sinai occurred immediately after the Passover celebration as it had when they left Egypt a year earlier. Even as they ate the unleavened bread of haste, God was preparing them to journey again. In verses 14 through 28, we're given the order of their march according to their placement in the camp. 
Since we've covered the names of all the tribal leaders in a previous episode, we won't name them all again here. Verse 14, the standard of the camp of the children of Judah set out first according to their armies. Along with Judah were Issachar and Zebulun. Verse 17, then the tabernacle was taken down and the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari set out carrying the tabernacle. Having carts and oxen, Gershon carried the coverings, curtains, and hangings of the tabernacle, and Merari carried the boards and pillars. They were sent out second so that they could begin the setup of the tabernacle as soon as they arrived in the new location. Verse 18, And the standard of the camp of Reuben set out according to their armies. Along with Reuben were Simeon and Gad. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. Using the poles, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant, covered in blue, along with the other furnishings of the tabernacle. Verse 22, And the standard of the camp of the children of Ephraim set out according to their armies. Along with Ephraim were Manasseh and Benjamin. Then the standard of the camp of the children of Dan, the rear guard of all the camps, set out according to their armies. And along with Dan were Asher and Naphtali. Verse 28, Thus was the order of march of the children of Israel according to their armies when they began their journey. Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. So Moses said, Please do not leave, inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Hobab was the brother-in-law of Moses. Earlier, Moses' father-in-law, Ruel, also known as Jethro, had gone back home to Midian after he brought Moses' wife and two sons to him. But Hobab had remained with the children of Israel for the time that they had camped at Mount Sinai. Moses now invited him to come with them to the promised land, but he wanted to return to his homeland. Moses pressed the case with Hobab by telling him that they could use his desert skills and that they would pass on to him the blessings they received from the Lord. The narrative leaves us hanging. We don't know what decision that Hobab made. Likewise, we invite our family and friends to join us on this great adventure to the eternal promised land of heaven. But tragically, many prefer the homeland of this world and don't want to journey along with us, even though the blessings which God has promised far surpass anything this world can offer. They are literally out of this world. Verse 33. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days' journey 
to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was whenever the ark sent out that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. It is interesting that they didn't send out a scouting party. It was the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that searched out a resting place for them. Likewise, when we have given our lives to Christ, we can rest assured that God is going before us, preparing the place He has in mind for us. He will show us where to pitch our tent when it's time. Moses had a standard saying, each time they would move out and each time they would come to rest. When they moved out, Moses said, Rise up, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. We also are in a spiritual battle. And it's a good idea to remember that before we go out the door in the morning, we can ask God to go before us and cause our enemy, the devil, to flee. And when they rested, Moses said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Likewise, when we return home at the end of the day, we can pray, Lord, come dwell with us. Protect our home and everybody in it. Thus, we seek God's presence and protection when we're going out and when we're coming in. You know, that's just a wise way to live. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. They'd really love to hear from you. You can also text them at 208-314-3377 with your questions or comments. Tomorrow we'll see that as the people begin to move, it doesn't take them long to get into trouble. This is the first of many wilderness tests. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Numbers on Simply the Bible. 